0: A good day and welcome to episode eighty-five of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your host, Steve, and this week I am joined by Kate and she hailed here from the moon. It's amazing. Yes.
1: This wizard that came Kate from the moon. Came from the moon. <laughs> welcome,
0: Kate. How are you this week?
1: I'm I'm good. I'm busy this week. I'm in a wedding yeah, this weekend. So I'm running around trying to get everything, you know, squared away before that. But I'm good.
0: That's good. Happy to have you here. And this week, joined by a very special guest. We are joined by Michael Kazara. And how are you doing, Michael? Welcome to the show. We're happy to have you.
2: Hi. Yeah, happy to be here. I am not from the moon, I guess. (laughs) Not from the moon.
0: (laughs) Well, you see, your first time here, we can't give you a nickname just yet. If you come back, though, I I promise you we'll have a nickname for you. Mm -hmm. Ready to go. Awesome. And so how have you been? You've been a busy individual coming from E3, and that's what we're going to talk right. about today. But I imagine you might be a little a little tired after a busy week uh, there. Yeah.
2: Actually, honestly, so I drive up to E3, car, Arizona, nice. California. That's mostly what I'm tired mm. from. Uh, I slept yeah. a lot yeah. that weekend after, so. I don't blame <laughs> you.
0: Well, we're very happy to have you here. We can't yeah. wait to talk all about... Your E3 experience and the topic of the podcast, as we'll get into, is kind of like a post-mortem on E3. So we got plenty to say. We're not done talking about it just yet. And you'll notice, once again, conspicuous by his absence, Manny, that's because he's elsewhere. And I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) But while he is frolicking elsewhere, slaying dragons one by one. We do have to keep the house clean, so please follow us on social media. We're at Plus One Player on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com one player. So go check out all of our social media sites to stay up to date on what's going on on the website, which, of course, is PlusOnePlayer.com. There you can find all of our articles, all of our podcasts, our videos. So go check us out there. We also have links to Twitch, which is Twitch.tv one player, and links to our Discord. We have a fantastic community with wonderful folks. We're having great conversations all the time. We'd love to have you. Unless, of course, you're racist, in which case, I hope the dragon takes you out and elsewhere. <laughs> and I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say about that. And after all that, if you've enjoyed the content, if you enjoy hanging out in Discord, think of heading on over to patreon.com one player. And if you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two, because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it the best podcast it can possibly be. We have an amazing group of supporters, and it's the last episode of the month, which means we'll be shouting them out at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. And if you'd like to join that shout-out next month, come on and join that group by donating at patreon.com one player. And of course, can't finish up housekeeping without mentioning the biggest Patreon supporter, and that's the sponsor of the show, Nerdiest Brands, but I'll tell you about that before the topic, as I always do. So, before we get into our first segment, which will be Past the Sticks, we got our special guest, Michael. We gotta let everybody know who you are, where they can find you, and what you've been up to these days. So the
2: floor is yours. Okay, wow, where do I start? So I am a freelance writer or video editor or whatever. I just do like a million different things. And I've been doing stuff in games media for the last, what, like six, seven, eight years. It's hard to tell when it actually starts. Like I ran a fan (laughs) site when I was a teen and like that stuff blossomed into what I do now. So most of my content you can find on IGN, I did... Many many guides for them, including Fortnite for a year. That is now over. I don't do that anymore, and now I <laughs> sleep well at night. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also I've done like news, reviews, uh, previews. I just did a preview for Lego Star Wars. That was my first preview for them, um, and I've written for other sites like PC Gamer. Uh, most recently, Kotaku, Digital Trends. I've done, done some stuff on Game Explained. So I've been I've been kind of around. Nice. Uh, that's mainly what I do. Now, what were the two other questions? <laughs> well, how about we, we transition
0: those questions into what kind of games are you interested in mostly? Like, what is, what are some of your go-to games when you're having, you know, a down day? What will cheer you up?
2: Oh, man, this is... That's, that's an unfortunate uh, question because I <laughs> would normally say... So, I've been into Paladins. Paladins being like a, a kind of like an Overwatch-type game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Free-to-play. And yeah, that is like my go-to, but that game usually frustrates me more than makes me happy. So that's such a, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But overall, games that I like to play, I do gravitate more towards like the single player narrative focused uh, games, but. Same here. Yay. But yeah, you'll end up seeing me One play of us. again. Palette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: you've been doing freelance writing for a while now what were some of your favorite pieces that you've written over the years i know it's kind of tough to narrow down your work but what are some of the ones that you kind of look back to and you're like man i had a great time writing about that
2: that is an excellent question that i'm (laughs) trying to think of an answer for now actually i do have one so last year i do you guys remember the whole bowsette thing
0: oh yeah uh, yes. how could you not
2: yeah so I wrote a little explainer piece for IGN and it was I just got to be funny and ridiculous and poke fun at this again very ridiculous thing that just popped out of nowhere and that's right. one of my favorite things um, that I've done I did a thing recently where I interviewed somebody who who has been playing Animal Crossing the original Animal Crossing for the last 17 years like they've maintained oh their town God. like since the original came out it's very interesting oh my gosh um so that was really cool thoughts
0: on tom nook uh
2: that he exists i mean i don't know
1: (laughs) i'm sure he's got a good relationship with Do they owe him money or have they taken over his empire at this point
0: they might have tom nook in their back Uh, pocket
1: yeah exactly
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah um yeah so just two things that come to mind
0: that's awesome and so Thanks again for joining us, and we're going to kick sure. off Pass the Sticks, so we're going to keep it with you. And so the way it works is you're going to tell us what you've been playing right now, and then when you're done, you're going to pass the sticks, the you know quote-unquote sticks, to one of us, and then we'll talk about what we've been playing. So, the sticks are yours. What have you been playing lately?
2: Well, uh, this happens every single time I go to E3, where I just come back, and I'm just so excited about games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I start yeah, thinking yeah. about all the games I stopped playing, and uh, so I've gotten, I've gotten back to a few. Uh, actually, last night, so I it up borderlands the pre-sequel it's a game that i've never oh nice in. nice uh, i did get to play borderlands 383 and like that, that really got me back into it so i mm-hmm. uh, went back played that uh, last night and i only played those games co-op i have not played single player so um, mm-hmm. contrary again to yeah. what i just said
1: <laughs> well uh, they're they're really challenging single player i learned that yeah. the hard way <laughs>
2: Ha, huh. okay. <laughs> Good.
1: Much, Good much more fun to play with other people. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing I'm
2: doing it the right way then.
1: Yes. You um, are. I've
2: also gone back to Spider Man, another game yes. I never finished. And honestly, one I just booted fans. it up and I just started swinging across the city, just going from one end to another. Like, I'm not even doing anything. I'm just going as low to the ground as I can. It's, it's so cool. It's just like yeah. the cool factor is so high in you that would,
0: game. I would just zone out. Mm-hmm. just swinging and just forget, like, what I was going to do. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot I actually have to, like, go save these people from criminals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> stop just swinging around.
2: Um, And then, so one new game, I'm playing Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, so that just uh, yeah. came out. And took a little bit for me to get into it. I kind of wasn't all, uh, like, getting used to, like, the beat and moving along with, like, the enemy patterns and all that. Like, that, it wasn't clicking with me, but... Right. That music's so good that I just kept playing, and I think I'm about halfway now. I'm really into it now. Um, just a nice a nice spinoff that I really hope to see more of. Uh, Nintendo yeah. doesn't usually just say, like, hey, other developers that aren't us, why don't you make one of our biggest IPs a new game, you know?
0: Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm glad this one's working out for
0: them. And I've heard, well, I've seen from a lot of people who are playing it, that it, it's not just like a rhythm game. Like, it feels like a Zelda game, too. So I think that's kind of a huge selling point for that fan base.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I've done two dungeons now, and they're, they're not as elaborate as Zelda dungeons. But they they exist. Yeah. <laughs> those themes are there.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So you've been busy playing mm-hmm. a few different games.
2: Um, I mean, those the first two were kind of like, okay, I'm trying this, and I probably won't go back to one. But I really hope I do. Because I'd like oh, to yeah, finish I... Spider-Man and Borderlands.
0: I highly recommend finishing Spider Man. It's yeah. a great story. And that third act is just constant excitement. It never ends.
2: Huh. Okay. Because I heard that the third act is kind of like not as good as the first two. So that.
0: Hmm. Oh, man. Okay. The third act is just like epic battle after epic battle. And there's a pretty exciting finale. I, oh, man. I just love that game. <laughs>
2: well, take your word for it. Yeah, that's one of
0: the that's one of my i think six platinum trophies on the uh on the playstation huh. I, I i usually tap out around like 80 percent on all the games i play because i just there's always some trophies that i'm just like i'm never going to do what you're asking me to do yeah but spider-man i appreciate it because it was a very achievable platinum and it, it was one of those games too i just didn't want to put down so i was like you know what this is great i don't care if i have to keep doing you know stopping like drug busts by criminals or whatever sure. but whatever it worked it was a lot of fun
2: <laughs> yeah and like everything you do in that game is it's just fun i don't feel like i think what what are they called uh, this was from last september that i played this but uh like originally played it the radio towers or it's police scanners or something yeah the, po- like, yeah, the
0: police scanners
2: like i did all of them just because i mm-hmm. i don't know i want to see the whole map and all that um, but like that never became tedious I just I always right. enjoyed climbing these buildings and swinging around so I'm not worried about trying to do all the achievements and getting bored
0: right yeah because that was the radio scanners and the backpacks were like the first two things I did because I'm the same way. When you give me an open world and you show me that there are like beacon points that will unlock the map for me, (laughs) I'm going to do those first 100% of the time. Yeah. And then once I found out what the backpacks were, it was just just like an awesome way to build the history of that world. So I just wanted to collect all of them as soon as I possibly could. And again, it was just like way too fun to keep swinging around that city. (laughs)
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think that wraps it up for me. So I am now passing these sticks to Catherine. Oh, wow. Right?
0: You get the full yeah. name. All right. My full
1: name, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, so I am ever a creature of habit, and uh, I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, which I think has been my answer to this question for, like, every episode that I've been on. Um, but the new Between expansion... you
0: and Matt with WoW, it's I just, know. like, the well, same. It's amazing. at least
1: Final Fantasy XIV is, like, a little bit less old than well it's still pretty old at this point whatever um he's the gonna new get ex- so
0: mad when you see i know him well he's not
1: here so he can't he can't <laughs> retort um the new expansion comes out like well it comes out for early access next friday so <laughs> i got all of my classes to max level i'm ready to go just trying to check off everything on my quest log so that it's clean slate for the expansion um yep. i've also been playing a little bit of um no more heroes travis strikes again on switch mm. nice. which um isn't the best no more heroes game uh it kind of feels like a bunch of mini games that they made into a 40 dollars game for some reason but eh. they announced no more heroes 3 at e3 so i was like ah. I'll I'll finish this just to yeah. you know be ready when the actual like mainline title comes out. So I've been playing that. I've been getting frustrated with jumping puzzles because <laughs> I hate jumping puzzles with a passion. Yes. Um, but you know, so that's that's what I've been up to. Steve, here are the sticks.
0: All right. So I've been pretty much just playing two games right now. I have been dabbling in elsewhere with one Manny. Mm. It's a lot of fun. The dragon fights. Are awesome, yeah. Because it, it the dragon mechanics are almost completely unrecognizable to what we've seen in Skyrim.
1: Thank you. Because these God. dragons
0: really act like dragons, uh-huh. and it, it is a community event. Like you need a huge group of people to take okay. these things down. But the animations are incredible. So it'll like kind of sit there, like we saw in Skyrim. It'll sit there and kind of attack on the ground with its wings, its tail, and obviously breathing fire. It also has like these magic attacks where like it'll shoot like molten rock like out of the ground and entrap you, mm. so that's dangerous. But then the coolest stuff is it starts flying around and it straight up does like the fly through and burn like a line into the ground. Yeah. like it'll just do. It's amazing. It's it's quite literally just Drogon in that episode from season seven. Yeah, with, uh, when he's taking out the Lannister oh, army. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's been awesome just to watch that happen, but then also to like take them out—it's pretty satisfying. The main quest line so far really interesting. I'm having a fun time, kind of learning more about what's going on in that world. The Khajiit are just like a very interesting group to get a lot of face time with.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: they're, they're very, very interesting. But I'm no—I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm looking forward. I'm probably going to play a little bit tonight after after we record this.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm having fun with that, and then. It finally happened. I've gotten fully sucked into Days Gone. That game Mm -hmm. has finally sunk its hooks into me (laughs) to the point where I am hopelessly addicted to hunting hordes. I can't stop. (laughs) Every time I see a horde now, I want to take it on. I want to take it out. And because like the rank-up system it it does like i just feel like the game is a little bit longer than it should be like there was a point where i thought i was at the end and i was like oh my god there's so much more and like now i think i'm at the like close to the end so now i'm starting to like do more of the side stuff because Mm. i i took out a few hordes and then what it did is it triggered something to basically mark all of the hordes on my map and so now because it's on the map i'm like i'm gonna fast travel to you i'm gonna hunt you down i'm gonna take (laughs) you out But it's, like, really exciting because now I get, like, at this point, I get, like, my stamina and health maxed out. I have some really solid perks for my ranged weapons, and I now just have better ranged weapons. It's just really, really fun to, like, go take on these hordes because, like, depending on the time of day, you can kind of figure out where they're going to be because, like, at dusk, they go to, like, the water. And at mm. night, they're out, like, feeding. And then during the day, they're usually huddled in caves. So that's usually the best time to get them. You throw a few molotovs, a few grenades in there, and then they all funnel out of the cave and you just mow them down with machine guns. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. I'm having a blast. And I really just, like, lately I've been thinking, I was like, I want to hunt all these hordes. Like Now that I know that they're on the map, I'm like, I'm just going to take them out. So a oh, complete 180. Days Gone has turned into yeah. one of my favorite games of the year. And... I think the story's pretty solid. There's been some pretty, I would say, predictable twists. Like, there's this one character who you know is just a piece of shit. And then, of course, he gets, like, let go. And then, oh, what do you know? He shows up to yeah. screw you in the end.
3: Like,
0: <laughs> saw that coming from a mile away. But I do like the... I don't want to spoil anything because, yeah. But yeah. there, there's there's some good moments Like I said, the voice acting is a little weird. Sometimes, like, all of a sudden, Deacon will just start shouting when someone's, like, right next to him. It's weird. (laughs) The pacing seems a little off sometimes. However, the character animations, when they are having cutscenes, are spot on. Mm -hmm. Like, they're really well done. The world is awesome. And once you kind of get – you figure out how to navigate all of, like, the Freakers, and they're not just constantly ruining your day because you try to take them on stupidly with, you know – Low ammo or something like that. Once you kind of figure out how to navigate the world, it does become one of the more unique open world experiences i played. So, all in all, having cool. a really good time with it. I'm pretty stunned at how it, like that how it turned around on me. Like I really wasn't having a lot of fun yeah. those first few hours, and then I just <laughs> gave it. A, I gave it like a real solid chance, and I was like, "Win me over." And then it was like, "Fine, I will." And it won me over. So, so okay. I, so
2: I have a question about that. Yeah. Um. So you said you had a 180 from playing earlier and yeah. like there were a lot of criticisms for this game do you why do you think that changed for you like what where was what was like the point that that changed because apparently that didn't for a lot of a lot of people out there reviewers or people who just oh, yeah. kind of put the game down
0: Yeah I, so I understand I definitely see where the criticisms come because like I said I do feel like this game is just a little too long I feel like mm. there's some stuff that just does it, 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 there's a lot of times where I ask myself, like why is the game doing this? One of the main things I talked about a few episodes ago where <laughs> I, when I wasn't enjoying it, I hate the crafting. I think the crafting mechanic is just this antiquated mess of a mechanic. I don't understand yeah. how that made it into the final product. You're basically holding three buttons at a time to craft anything. It, it, I just can't believe that that's a thing at this day and age. So that really gets annoying. Like, at this point now, I just know it, it's just, like, second nature. I know how to do it, but it's still frustrating because I'll still find myself go to the wrong thing and then have to back out of it, go back to it's It's annoying. However, once the story kind of really starts opening up and you start seeing the bigger picture of what's going on and, like, the the background of who caused the scenario to happen, and then you kind of see where the characters fall in place in this world... That's when it kind of picked up for me. Like, I. Alright, so this is going to be a spoiler. I predicted that Sarah was going to be alive because I really just felt like it was super obvious. And of course, Sarah is alive. I mean- But you find out, like, what she was doing. Like, she was working for the group who basically caused this. And then now she's, like, working to... While everybody's working to basically burn down the Freakers, she's, like, the one person who's working to try to figure out a cure. So there's a lot, like, going on there where I think it's going to set up for a sequel, which is pretty awesome Mm. because Mm. I I think this world is very cool. And then the little Easter eggs that you find where it seems like it takes place in the Siphon Filter universe that's pretty interesting to me. Like yeah. imagine like Gabe Logan shows up in like days gone too. That'd be crazy. But I like, <laughs> I think what turned it around for me is once I started to figure out how to navigate the open world. And I figured out you got to do the main story missions. And when encampment jobs pop up, just do those. Don't really worry about a lot of the side stuff until you start getting ranked up. Like that was one of the big things I noticed is like, you can't mm-hmm. try to take on a lot of the, like the freakers, until you start getting like slightly better weapons or until you start kind of focusing on like stamina and then my biggest moment of like wow this game really works is the stealth. They really do stealth well. The the crouching's pretty awesome and they have like the bushes so you can hide in bushes and sneak up on people, you can distract them and like use strategy to get to them. So I love stealth games. Huge Metal Gear Solid fan, love the Batman games. I just love when stealth is an option. And when games do it right, and this game does it right, like I figured out I want to rank up my melee early because that's how I'm going to take on enemies. And then later I started ranking up my ranged weapons once I started getting better ranged weapons. And So it's all about balance Mm -hmm. with that. I think it just takes way too long to really hit that balance so I can see how so many people can check out really early on that game because surface level, the story is kind of basic. It's like, oh, end of the world, someone caused it. Here are the people trying to live in it and, you know, The people are the real enemies not the zombies so yeah that is very surface level so i can easily see how people get turned off from that if it doesn't suck them in quick i could have easily just like left that game on the shelf for months and never got back to it but like i really just forced myself to give it another try and when i did that i finally realized like the the fun that you could have in that game
2: that's awesome i love when games just turn around you hate it and then all of a sudden it's like your favorite game ever
0: Love it. I know it's 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 unexpected, and I almost was like was slightly bummed. I was like, "Man, like, is this gonna be like that first Sony exclusive in years?" That I'm like, "Eh," mm. and Aww. so fun. At, at yeah. first, it was, but it's still. I mean, they did it again. Like, this is a fun game. I just, and what's cool too mm. is now for like PS5, they're set up for Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, Days Gone, and Spider Man all to have sequels. Like, that's crazy.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So. Good things are coming, but that's what I've been playing. It's been a lot of fun. So I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward to go hunting hordes again. (laughs) So that has been Past the Sticks. And now we're going to move on to the topic. But before we do, the sponsor of the show is Nerdiest Brands. So nerds out there who are listening to us, you know about Nerdiest Brands. We talk about it every week. And if you haven't gone to buy some amazing nerdy gear, whether it's Overwatch, Marvel, DC, Power Rangers, anything you can think of. Head on over to nerdiestbrands.com. That's nerdius, N-E-R-D-I-O-U-S, brands.com. Go get some rad nerdy gear. It's from vendors and designers from all over the world. That's all over the world. You can get so much variety there. What are you doing? Pause this podcast. Go to nerdiestbrands.com. buy some amazing gear, and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. So shout out nerdiestbrands. Brands. Thanks again for your sponsorship. So now it is on to the topic of the podcast. And like I mentioned, it's kind of an E3 postmortem. So we had our big E3 reaction show last week. However, Mm -hmm. new information has come to light about these games. And I think that's because of one of the things we're going to talk about in terms of the changes of E3. One of the things we want to look at this week is how has this conference changed over the years? Obviously, this year was a really noticeably different one. And luckily, Mm -hmm. we got Michael here, who was there firsthand. He's been to previous E3s, so we got some great firsthand experience to draw from. And so we're going to talk about maybe some of the new details we've learned from from some of the games that stuck out to us. And of course, we're going to talk about what has e3 become what have like our perceptions been previously what are they now and where we kind of see the conference moving in the future and basically what we see like these devs doing to market mm-hmm. their games in the future so a lot of fun stuff to talk mm-hmm. about so i think we should just kick it off with michael let's just go with how you experienced e3 this year what were some of your you know yeah. biggest I guess biggest shining moments maybe some of the ones that didn't really spark a lot of interest or maybe some that you were looking forward to and then they kind of let you down Mm. what was your e3 experience like in 2019
2: uh well comparing it to past years it's a little hard because every year I kind of do something different this year was very Mm -hmm. much me as a freelancer I'm not here representing anybody I'm just getting my appointments and then pitching out ideas. So my approach was very different compared to say the last 3 years where I was actually with IGN and like in their war room and doing stuff specifically for them. Um I actually didn't even go on the show floor that often in past years. This year I was there all 3 days. So nice. it's it's a little hard to compare, but ah uh, this E3, this E3 I overall thought it was good. I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was it was definitely lacking in certain areas. Some mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. Sony-centric, very obvious areas. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, overall, it did what it always does. Gives mm-hmm. us new games, gives us opportunities to try them or look at them in many cases. And, yeah, um, I'm not sure which topic to, to tackle first. Like, what do I think of E3 going forward? Or
0: Well, we could just start off with... what. So you kind of mentioned the Sony one. So like, what right. were some of those biggest differences that you noticed this year compared to last? Obviously, Sony is the, the elephant in the room because naturally mm-hmm. they're one of the big three in gaming. And when mm-hmm. they don't show up at this conference, it's obviously going to generate a lot of attention. And that's what that's what I think... We talked about this last week where one of their the downfalls of a lot of these companies where they had all eyes on them, Sony wasn't there, and they didn't show... Enough, I guess, to like the mass audience. There were a lot of like those closed doors demos that got shown mm-hmm. like after the fact. Mm-hmm. And so did you notice that it was more so like we want to show the gameplay, you know, on a more hands-on setting compared to previous years. Cause I feel like previous years, everybody was showing some type of gameplay. Mm-hmm.
2: Now you're asking about Sony. If, did they no, just in,
0: just in, no. In general, yeah. the other, just like the the other ones because Sony wasn't there. So like,
2: well, actually, that's like a common criticism that I've seen this year is that this year has been so much about like, here's this cool looking trailer that is actually not the game, you know? Like, right. so I think that's actually been a problem this year. Uh, so many cinematic trailers, not enough just gameplay, and that's more the press conferences. Um, and it is a little bit surprising that there were a number of games that were. Playable either on the show floor or behind closed doors that had demos ready to go, but they weren't at the press conferences. Uh, for example, I I play or pfft, I wish I played. I got to see uh, someone play a demo of Lego Star Wars: uh, The Skywalker Saga, and it looked incredible. It was really great, and I really wish people could play it. But no, it was behind closed doors, and nobody nobody gets to see that. Uh, yeah. It's not on the show floor it's not online anywhere and that's it's just it's weird sometimes how people make these make these decisions like why this isn't playable uh, i don't know here it is you get to see it i'm i'm not totally sure how those decisions are made.
0: Yeah, cuz another one in the same light, Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, mm-hmm. they get the they get the gameplay. Well, not well, it was a gameplay trailer at EA Play. Yeah. But the gameplay they show is very much, you know, the adventure narrative kind of driven where you're doing some combat, you're climbing some obstacles. So obviously, we've seen it compared numerous times now to like uncharted style. Mm-hmm. And then you come to find out that it's like a metroidvania and you can take your ship and fly to other planets and you can play the game in a different order and it begs the question like why was that not brought up at all at EA Play or during Microsoft's conference? Like I feel like that's a pretty huge piece of information that would interest a lot of people on that game yeah yeah
2: and and that's actually so i have to give a lot of props to the way nintendo runs things because i really like how they have this nintendo direct is just very like here's everything you need to know and see and actually a lot of the direct was gameplay thankfully yeah not everything well most of it but uh, (laughs) it was just very here's everything we got and then throughout the day, they have their Treehouse Live, where they get to go in depth, and that's available for everyone yeah. to watch and to see later mm-hmm. on. Like, I think yep. that's such a great approach, and that does yeah. say a lot about like E3 and kind of what's what's the point here? Like, what's going on? I actually I actually have a lot of I think positive thoughts on E3 um, yeah. that I'll get into later, but uh, it does beg the question: like, wow, when Nintendo is able to do all of this just online? what is the point of having these demos on the show floor or people coming to this one event that so many people are backing out of now Mm -hmm.
1: i wonder i wonder if like part of it is just this like fear of like internet outrage culture or something Mm. i don't know because like to me it almost feels like they don't have enough confidence in their product to like show it to everyone so it's just like we're just relying on people that are there that we like their content to tell us how they felt um Mm -hmm. so you know it's like like the backlash to like the sonic trailer or any any numerous other thing that like has come out to a wide audience and people have had opinions with a capital o about it and and so it almost feels like they're kind of like playing their cards really close to their chest for which like makes me Mm -hmm. think As a consumer, like, are you not 100% confident in your product? Like, why? Because, like you were saying, like, Nintendo was just like, here's all our stuff. We're going to play it. Like, we want you guys to see it. And um, everyone else was like, no. So, I I don't know. It it just makes me wonder, like, what what is the reason for this? Because it's clearly not, you know, oh, we're not streaming any gameplay from E3. Or it's not a a technology thing or, like, a new rule. It's just really... I don't know.
0: Yeah, because that is actually a great point to the fact that it's like, yeah, we want to show it to, you know, certain members of the media so that way they can report on what they play. And again, like I don't think that any of these people at all are being paid to like give their opinions. I think that they're no. just doing their job and they're going to give their opinions yeah. based on the games they like and they don't. And But I can see that them kind of just putting in that almost like contained water almost where it's like, you know, we yeah. know how these people like we, we have a track record with this particular person or whatever like that. So you, you can see their, their body of work. And whereas if you just show gameplay, you're going to have everybody to be criticizing it. And like you said, what we saw with this, with the Sonic movie, which is still ridiculous. I mean, yeah, he looked terrible, yeah, it's but terrible. Like, let's just yeah. relax here. It's going to be a, a joke of a movie. Let's just right. move on. Right. And so you see that type of outrage. And so, yeah, I can easily see not wanting to kind of get ahead of yourself if you're not 100% sure it's ready or it's not in that stage because you're not going to want to put you know your big product basically on the chopping block. And then again, that I feel like that almost could lead to some of these bad crunch cultures that you see where mm-hmm. they see this outrage and like, oh, we got to change it. We got to fix it. We got to do all this. And now all of a sudden you're working way longer than you right. should have just because, you know, John and Susie on Twitter were just like, this game sucks after seeing 15 seconds of gameplay. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm okay with the idea of them kind of showing it behind closed doors because we still find out about it. Like we found out about all this. I really do think there was a missed opportunity though because I think some of these games probably would have benefited from some more gameplay like yeah. maybe Jedi Fallen Order which would be crazy if it's not ready to show that stuff cuz it's coming out in September. Right. But maybe Jedi Fallen Order wasn't good or no, it's coming out in November, excuse me. Okay. But yeah. Like, Woo, I was like, yeah, Whoa! Was
2: like, I'm not <laughs> so ready for that. Maybe,
0: maybe it just wasn't ready to show the flight mechanics or something like that. I mean, I, I find that kind of hard to believe since we're getting kind of close to the end. But mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been so cool to see. It would have blown so many people's minds because there's very little expectations of this game. All we know is that EA's kind of bungled the Star Wars, right? You know, license over the years. We know Respawn's a good studio, so that gets them the benefit of the doubt. But still, we didn't know about the game. And I think if they showed that little bit, all of a sudden you go from, yeah, it looks like a fun adventure game. There's some cool combat to be like, whoa, did you see you can fly to different planets? You can do the story in any order you want. And that could have had a lot of hype that weekend. And instead it's kind of like the week after the fact, but maybe they're just trying to, continue controlling headlines I don't know maybe that's it I don't
1: know I mean the way the way Nintendo did it though was like it's not like they just like hand the controller to some random person and they're like you're gonna stream this for an hour it's like no they have their (laughs) people playing the game and showing exactly what they want to show you so it's still it's still like a controlled thing where with Jedi Fallen Order if you know like X planet isn't really done yet and you're the demo person you just don't go there exactly so go to the moon yeah exactly the wizards are um,
3: exactly.
1: so yeah, I, I don't, to me, it, it does make me feel like there is a lack of confidence or a lack of mistrust or like, there's just some, something like a little negative, um, that I mm-hmm. take away from that. Yeah.
2: And I think it's also worth noting that there are developers out there that, that you have a lot of respect for already and that they have mm-hmm. a lot of consumer trust. So CD Projekt Red, for example, yeah, they don't need to oh, show yeah. anything. I completely trust them like I saw The Witcher 3 I played that I I know who I know who you guys are like I completely trust you guys and I think that's the case for a lot of people for example this is actually a bad example because I have no interest in playing The Evil Within I'm not like a horror guy but like I'm sure those were really good games and when they showed off uh, i think it was called ghostwire tokyo oh yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: that was one of my that was one of my like big yeah. show stealers yeah. I, i'm it, looking forward to that and, and it was
2: all cinematic right but that's okay with that developer like i and knowing what they've done in the past i think that's okay it's just that we just had such an overabundance of just here's this here's what this game might be type right. of presentation and i think that left a bad taste in a lot of people's. So. yeah because
0: i i really felt like this was very much a transitional e3 i feel like there's yeah. a lot of focus on next gen and i feel like a lot of the studios like a lot of the work that probably got teased this past e3 is probably all like next gen stuff so a lot of that those trailers mm-hmm. where we saw the, the short ones yeah like, i feel like ghost wires probably next gen i feel like death loop will probably be next yeah. gen we didn't see anything on starfield and elder Scrolls 6 we know that's next gen right So and I even think Sony, like Sony, I applaud them for actually being like, yeah, we don't have anything new to show you. Here's what you we got coming out. We got Ghost of Tsushima. We got Death Stranding. We got The Last of Us Two, three huge games. We had Days Gone already this year, after you know all the other big games that came out last year. So I, I applaud them for just being like, look, we're not gonna make our dev teams make another trailer for games you already know are coming out and games you've already seen gameplay for we're going to let them work on their games. So that way you guys can eventually play them. And then they're just adopting the Nintendo direct method where the state of play. And I think that's, we'll talk about where we kind of see the conference going in the future, but I think those types of things are what they're the biggest impact on this because now you see these devs just being like, we can do this on our own time for way less money.
1: Yep. Mm.
0: So it's, it's been very interesting to kind of see the people's reactions to this past E3, like, I I'd still think there was some really cool stuff shown. There's just, like, no gameplay. That's why I was stunned when Ubisoft started theirs with Watch Dogs Legion, and they had gameplay. I was like, this is incredible. We're yeah. actually seeing some <laughs> like, gameplay Wow, it, it's playable. It before <laughs> that, yeah, we only had, like, we had Jedi Fallen Order before that, and we had Doom before that, but that was pretty much it for gameplay that we saw, and then they just came right out of the gate with it. like, great. This is what we we should be seeing more of. So I do love me a good cinematic trailer, but that's only enough to kind of like get the hype going. I need to kind of keep me interested. I'm going to need to see that kind of trickle down. Like, all right, here's the features. Here's the mechanics. Here's the story elements. But I mean, still an enjoyable show. I still had a fun time watching the conferences. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's important to remember because that's what E3 is. It's just, it's the Christmas of video games. People just love this event. And that's why it's so hard to see it go away. And that's I think part of why it's not going away. It's very much the same thing every single year, and every year people are like, "Okay, this is things are going to be different. There's going to be fewer of this or changes here." And it's it's always the same thing. And i <laughs> i can I can get into that. I don't know if we're moving on, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think we're going to continue to see more of the same with more demands to change what that show is. But I don't know who who's in charge of like the ESA e3 um i see them as very stubborn with e3 and i don't see it changing until it's literally falling to pieces so
0: and i think they'll always have microsoft there because what they don't they use microsoft's theater to do
2: it so like (laughs) they'll have
0: have microsoft there I, I do think E3 will stick around just because it's, it's a name, you know? Now right. it's just iconic. It's synonymous with gaming. Everybody knows it. Yeah. E, like, even if you are barely a gamer, you know what E3 is. So I don't think it'll ever completely go away. I think it's going to have to change or, like, shift its focus because some of the stuff I saw was that since they made it, like, public... And what was happening was because so many games, like, didn't go to it this year, there were so few games to play. And then the few games that there were to play, the lines were so long because now it's just everybody yeah. having to pick from, like, those those few. So I do think that there will probably need to be tweaks to it because it's pretty expensive from what I saw to go. I think, like, there were some tickets It was, like, $1,000 or something for the, like, I, it might, I think it might have been, like, the whole thing, though. So not just, like, one day. But that's still...
1: That's a lot. A lot of yeah. money. So sure. yeah. uh,
0: I, I can I, I think it's gonna have to change. And if we see more companies like keep pulling out of it, that's what's gonna force the hand.
3: hmm
2: And I think next year will be a little bit different. I uh, I don't know how I stand on this prediction yet. <laughs> so I'm saying <laughs> it like half heartedly. But I kind of see Sony coming back because it's going to be a hard hardware year. Uh, um yeah. I think that's something that they do want people to get hands on see and yeah. just get a better feel for and i think that's i think e3 is a great place for that that is i assume it's gonna be holiday 2020 um, I do too. it's half half a year before then that's when they'll do like more reveals whatever i see actually i didn't think about this that much because didn't playstation 4 have its own reveal event
0: so ps4 had its had a reveal event in march of that year but it What they did was pretty much announce that it was coming. They announced when it was Mm -hmm. releasing. And then at E3, they revealed, like, the box. Uh, And they revealed the controller and all that. So, And that's when they revealed the price. And they did this after Microsoft's conference. And it was just the biggest ovation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) That is absolutely correct. Um, Yeah, so I definitely see them. Not definitely. I (laughs) can possibly see them coming back next year. So next year is just a weird one to predict. Because I also think Microsoft will have an increased presence as well Uh, maybe they'll they'll hop back into the the west hall have their little section again Um, but after that that's that's where it'll be a little tougher to tell because even this year uh so for like those that don't really understand like the show floor there's the la convention center which has the uh south hall and the west hall and Mm -hmm. you know giant big open rooms right with booths and whatever west hall is typically nintendo sony microsoft and you would see pictures of like the wall like the sony wall the microsoft <laughs> wall they're just so close together like really yeah. cool um yeah. that didn't exist this year uh, years before microsoft has been gone for i think three years i'm not sure but they've been not in that west hall anymore uh for this year last year and maybe the year before um mm-hmm. so already it felt a little empty in there and then this year it was just nintendo and then they had sega in front of them and then just this whole other half of this huge convention center room, there's just these little random booths. And I, not to uh. discredit them, but like just smaller name, yeah. not even developers, but just different companies. Right. Um, and it just felt so empty. Like here's the really busy and very awesome Nintendo booth. And then you just look to your left, and like this is where all the PlayStation. Like yeah all the blue is supposed to be <laughs> right just, yeah. just emptiness and it's just such a weird feeling such a weird feeling so yeah
0: what would be the equivalent of a gaming tumbleweed? Because I feel like that would <laughs> be like just rolling by. Maybe like a monster energy can. Just <laughs> yeah.
1: A ba- just empty bag rolling. of Doritos just like floating yeah. <laughs> ah, <of course. laughs> on the air current. <laughs> that would be fantastic.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I did see, I saw a lot of pictures of mm-hmm. people taking pictures of the show floor and like, this place is a ghost town. And I was stunned because obviously at PAX, like, you can barely move yeah, on yeah. some of the days. Like well, Friday is usually pretty chaotic there. And so I was absolutely stunned because E3 is, you know, the mecca of gaming every year right. pretty much. And so just weird to see just such a lack of games being played there. It's just very mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of changes, like, with over the years, like, how the perception of it might shift. Because now, like, that, I was always looking forward to E3 growing up, even when I was, like, not as heavily interested. Like, even when I was playing, like, just, like, sports games most of the time. I would still always pay attention to E3. It was the biggest moment every year for yeah. games. we talk about it with my friends, like, everything. Like, oh, did you see this trailer? Did you see this game? All of that. It's always been super exciting. And so it kind of was weird to see a lot of people, like, cooled down this year on it. Like, there wasn't a lot of hype leading into it. A lot of people were already basically saying, like, this E3 is not going to be good. You know, so many people pulled out. I was looking into it, like, there's a lot... be shown here just because there's the future to plan like this is kind of the blueprint for where things are going the next few years because this the this is the end of this generation like this is the last Mm -hmm. real year it's the end of the cycle we all know it we can see it coming and so this is like that foundational period where it's like all right this is how we're gonna set ourselves up Mm -hmm. the next few years and that's why I was really excited. This was the first time in my gaming life that I've ever been excited for a Microsoft conference. Because I've always been a PlayStation <laughs> boy. So I've always had PlayStation throughout. And of course, you know, growing up, like when you're younger, it's like, oh, PlayStation's better. Xbox sucks. <laughs> but like now, obviously, like I understand, like, without Xbox, we wouldn't have the PlayStation the way we have right. it. The competition was incredible. Xbox three sixty was an incredible system. Xbox One is a great system. There's just nothing to play on it. And then after everything we've seen with the console wars and just how everything has been getting pushed to greatness the amazing games we've seen we know that like xbox is now primed to do better in the future i love games pass great deal it's yeah. getting xbox games in the hands of way more people mm-hmm. genius idea on their part and so now we get to see how sony's going to compete with them with you know their focus still on console and console exclusives mm-hmm. and big games that you need to have a playstation to play and for the love of god Sony just do crossplay. Just just Seriously. do it. Yeah. Just please. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to just I might have to just retweet out my love letter. It was like my plea yeah. from a Sony fanboy to Sony to let crossplay happen. I was going to tweet it at Shuhei Yoshida and be like Shuhei, <laughs> make it happen. I know you're cool with this.
1: Yeah. Um I don't like It's funny that everyone feels like this E3 was like lackluster or whatever like I kind of felt that way last year, and I I think a lot of it is just down to personal preference. A lot of games that I'm excited for personally were announced this year, or Mm -hmm. had more information dropped about them this year, whereas last year, there was a whole lot of cool stuff, but none of it appealed to me that much, so Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, okay, that was an interesting conference, I guess, but I'm not like chomping at the bit to get anything, so... Yeah, for me personally, like I was a lot more hyped for this E3 than last E3, but I do recognize that that's because Square Enix brought the big guns and a, f- I did. a few I other sure did. a few other games that I'm really interested in got more info, so but it's like predominantly Square Enix brought the big guns. Um and I'm a huge Square fan, so you know. <laughs> it's like actually I ask, happening <laughs> so
0: I, I have to ask michael did you get to see any like the gameplay of the avengers game
2: no honestly i was so excited to see avengers and all that and no i didn't get to see anything so my i'd walk away from all this just being so disappointed Aww. like i just yeah. it looked cool but like again like that that was one of the last press conferences and like i just i can't do this cinematic stuff anymore and like i'm not yeah, sure no. i actually haven't looked into it too much since i got back um just side note like when you're at E3 all the news that's happening when you're on the show floor is just it's just beyond you Yeah. like you, unless you're on your phone checking news like yeah. they'll be announcing things outside of their press conferences and you just you don't know about it until someone tells you or you find out later in the day or yep. a few weeks from now probably <laughs> not happen to me yeah um so i don't know what's been said or revealed for that game now but like, it looked like gameplay a little bit, but was it? I don't know. It wasn't I clear. Know. Like, it was disappointing. I read,
0: regard. well, I saw some people were saying that the gameplay they saw was leaving them confused. Like, they were the, the main takeaway that I saw from this game was something feels a bit off. Yeah, I same. saw multiple people say something feels off with this game. I'm still holding out hope. It's, I mean, it got announced in May. I definitely do not think it comes out in May. I think it comes out later. I think this game gets delayed. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because right now, they have me roped in with the fact that it's there is a a narrative element. It's not all multiplayer where you have to make your own character like DC Universe Online or something. So I'm glad that rumor wasn't true. That would have been terrible. But I do love the idea that you can play multiplayer. Like, teaming up on the Avengers Mm -hmm. with my friends. That's awesome. Like... That sounds like so much fun. So, kind of moving on, I guess. One of the, I think one of the main reasons we see this shift is like we talked about with Nintendo Direct and like Sony State of mm-hmm. Play. Do you think that like just more developers are going to go that route? Because I feel like the cost is almost nothing to them. They're just paying for you know the development of this montage that they're going to show on their website. So they're going to get the same type of info out there, whether it's cinematic trailers or gameplay trailers, because they did it with you know Days Gone, the medieval remake, and they showed mm-hmm. that little bit of Final Fantasy VII and the last day mm-hmm. to play. So they can do what they were doing at E3. The only thing that they can't get is those folks there actually going hands-on with these games so i think Mm -hmm. that even plays into what you were saying kate is like this is almost another way for them to control all of this information like they're playing it close to the chest they get to show exactly what they want to show and they don't have to show anything extra until they decide to do it and so i'd say nintendo direct definitely does it better i think they show incredible amounts of information all of their directs they show incredible gameplay they go in depth on mechanics yeah I love them. They're amazing. It's great information in like 10 to 15 minutes. I think Sony is getting better. I think that they're starting to kind of figure it out. But right now it's still just like montage, montage, montage. Here's a game. Here's a game. Here's a trailer. And then, oh, but wait, one more thing. And it's like just something that we all knew was coming anyway. So we're like, all right, well that wasn't really surprising. So I think they're starting to get a little better, but like, could you see like even Microsoft and then just even smaller devs pulling this type of stuff? Cause easy to stream on Twitch.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for the big ones, Yes, of course, because everyone is going to tune in to Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, press conference, or whatever, whenever they do Mm -hmm. it. But if you are a smaller studio, um, I can see the appeal of presenting at an E3 or a PAX or something Mm -hmm. else Yeah. versus, you know, you might only have, like, 200K followers on Twitter or something. So when you tweet out that you're going live with this new IP... You might not get a lot of coverage you might not get a lot of people tuning in even though it could be something amazing like the outer worlds or something like that you know um so i think it does behoove the smaller teams to still present and bring their best face to these um conventions or conferences but for the bigger studios the the big consoles like they can easily get away with this because everyone's going to tune in everyone's going to cover it on their whether they're a gaming outlet or youtuber or yeah. whatever so yeah for sure
2: to continue that thought with e3 i think for like imagine like if all the big name developers had their own little state of place or directs or whatever like i'm sure all of us would tune in to every yes. single one yes. <laughs> whatever yeah, time whatever uh, but that's like us that's we're like very much into doing podcasts and talking about games mm-hmm. online but there are a lot of People out there who are just... They just like to play games. They don't check news sites every single day. Yeah. Yep. So if there's a Nintendo Direct or State of Play in the middle of October, they may hear something about it later after yep. something's been announced. Whereas with E3, like I have friends who just play games and they don't really care about Directs or whatever, but they know about E3. And they do yep. tune in, Not maybe not tune in and watch everything, but they are following up on news and they know that it's happening now so there is an appeal for like that larger audience with e3 so it is a little hard to imagine e3 just vanishing and spreading it across the year Mm -hmm. or whatever
1: that's a good that's a really good point like the perspective of your general audience that maybe Mm -hmm. you're just a skyrim fan so you're just kind of like checking for you know when is the next outer scrolls coming out or whatever yep yeah, I I think that that makes a lot of sense. That for a lot of people, you know, it's this one time of year they all know about it. They can kind of check, you know, the IGN homepage or whatever for like right what was announced. Okay, cool. Moving on.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because like I agree. I I don't see it really going anywhere because <laughs> I I wholeheartedly agree with you as well in the sense that I do think Sony's coming back next year because I like like you said I don't think that they could resist the chance for people to possibly go hands on with their mm-hmm. next gen console because. I'm in agreement with you on the sense that holiday twenty twenty, I just don't think now that Microsoft announced it, I just don't think Sony's gonna let that go unchecked. <laughs> right. I, I really don't. Especially with all the momentum they have. Like they could they could just keep riding it, especially if they have a couple of cool launch games. I wouldn't even hate it if they just held off The Last of Us Two as a launch title for PS five. I wanna play the game. I think it's coming out in February is from what I'm hearing, but still, if they waited and has a launch title, cool. I'm all for that. But I think it could be like Ghost of Tsushima. I think that could be a launch title for it. And I just I, I they can't miss out on that opportunity to get the hype going and like unveil the box yeah. and be like, look at this awesome new system and show the price point and get a react. Well that's We'll see. Yeah. I'm curious to see what this price point going to be. I saw some report. They're like, I think it's going to be $800. I'm like, get out of here. It's not, there's no chance it's going to be $800 unless it's like a six gigabyte hard drive. Ooh. So get out of my face with that. It's. Pro- I think that they're going to maintain like 400 I, I don't think that they're going to dance too far away from yeah. that. But. I, I don't think E3 goes away. I think we do definitely see way more of these just studios doing their own thing. Because it's a way mm-hmm. to get a lot of information out in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Super cost effective. And you start generating hype just year round. Which you can't get enough of. Yeah. I can't get enough of it. I Just give me all the hype. Inject it into my veins.
1: And you're right also now. like not as lost in the shuffle. Yes. Which right. with E3, like... You know there are certain things that everyone is talking about just because Keanu Reeves came. You know, like it. it <laughs> no matter what you showed, like it does. Like you, you didn't have Keanu Reeves come and like talk to people. So, you know, it. Like, but if you announce something in October when nothing else is going on, then everyone is going to be talking about it. So,
0: yeah. I still maintain John Bernthal and Bam Bam was a better guest because dogs. Are better i mean you tell me john wick shows up without a dog get out of here
1: that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <There> are, <laughs> that's ridiculous like yeah the, there's some like art that i saw on reddit that was really cute it was like the holy trinity of e3 and it was keanu yeah. reeves the dog and um the lady that presented ghostwire tokyo like, oh, oh, Nakamura. Or... ikumi yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she was great yeah <laughs> she was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> everyone's She's... three favorite things she is yeah. like
0: She's the epitome of why E three is great. Just this yes. developer who's been so awesome her whole career and then she's like, Look at this awesome game I got and so she's excited. having a great time. Like, yeah. That's what yeah. that's why we watch E three because we want to see how excited these devs are to show us their amazing creations. Yes and like i want to that's what i want to say i want to see more of that get the devs up there get them right. talking get them introduced in their game mm-hmm. it helps also give all of us like the face to the name mm-hmm. like, yeah. these are usually just names in a credit absolutely that, to yep. be honest i'm sure tons of people just skip over the credits at the end of the game i mean yeah. let's well that's why i love how kojima just makes you sick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's like oh you want to skip these too bad But yeah, no, I I think that's one of the biggest things E3 has going for them is getting devs out in the forefront. So that way we get to like see these people who are creating these incredible games. Like the past few years have been insane with the quality of games that we've been getting. Like it never stops. I thought this year was going to be a quiet one and we still have just really good game after really good game set to come out. So it's too much, too many games. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I think it'll stick around, but I, I do think that they'll probably make some shifts because I, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to want that to happen again for people who are paying to go and then, like, just getting stuck waiting in lines to play a couple games. But I do kind of want to shift and ask you, what were some of the games that you got to go hands-on with that you really enjoyed?
2: Yeah, so, quick side note, when I would run into people that I know at E3, which is always, like, one of the best parts is just seeing yeah. people after a full year, you know, um, they're like, like exhaust and like, oh my gosh i have five more appointments and i'm like losing my mind and it's awesome yeah. but it's tiring and the world's falling apart but i i had a very relaxed e3 Nice. i did not have that many appointments i had a, mm-hmm. a weird like i thought i'd be doing something for the c3 with a certain uh, like publication and that kind of fell through so last minute like i scrambled to get appointments so there were like on tuesday i had one appointment i had more i had like three or four on Wednesday, then a few on the last day, but like really not that many. Right, you asked me, what did I see? I saw <laughs> Borderlands 3 and I actually got to play nice, that.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, I.
3: Yeah,
2: mm, like I said, that's what made me go back and play the pre-sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically Borderlands, same thing, you've always good. known and love, which exactly good, that yeah. I don't need any yeah. changes. One really cool thing they added though was like the slide mechanic, Oh, it yeah. feels so good. It's just oh, one nice. little change and like the pace of battle and like the momentum. It just doesn't break. Love it. Yeah. I also saw, i get my little notes out. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you, you get kind of thrown around. So yeah, Lego Star Wars. Uh, I right. kind of mentioned that already. Dying Light 2, that was oh, uh, right. a yes. presentation. Um, so I didn't get to play it, but I definitely saw it and... Ambitious. Ambitious in the way that Watch Dogs Legion wants you to to believe that you can play as every single character and have it function correctly in cinematics or in cutscenes and all that. Uh, This is a little bit similar where you have these these choices that you can make that really drastically change uh, the outcome of a situation or your location. Uh, On their demo, one of the last decisions you make Will affect whether this whole other sub-area opens or not. So I oh. and they were saying that you can wow. continue playing the game having made a choice where that sub-area just never opens and you just never have access to it. And they say that like that's something they'll be doing in the game. And again, that's like really ambitious, but yeah, yeah. everything I saw was like just very fun and the parkour is all crazy and ridiculous. I'm I'm excited for that one. Um I saw Mario and Sonic. I got to play that Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. Yeah, it's Mario that and Sonic. Like a fun
0: little party game. Like I could I could see having a little bit of fun with that one.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's your it's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Some archery, some some karate, I had like oh, Peach no, okay. and, Peach and somebody else. Peach just knocked somebody out. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, Sounds
0: like Smash Brothers.
2: <laughs> and a little bit in a way, it's just a had a bit more brutal. Like they did a slow motion oh, no thing. Kidding. Too. <laughs> anyway, um and then on the last day Last day was very interesting because I usually never get a Nintendo appointment, and whenever I go over to their booth, I every single year I stop by their media check-in and, hi, do you have any have any openings or cancellations or anything? Like, no, no, I'm sorry, no. You know, I I know the answer. And then I leave yeah. my business card. Here are my available yeah. <laughs> hours. Please call back. Yeah, uh-huh. No, never happens, right? And so this year I took a little different of an approach. And on Thursday, the last day of the show, I went over there and I did the same thing. I asked, "Hey, have there have there been any changes?" And of course, no, nothing changed. And then I got a little desperate, but tr- truthful, this was still true. Uh, I just wanted to capture footage of some of their demos, and I told them that as long as the the people with the appointment are okay with it, like I'd love to just hop in and just record someone else play. Like I don't even have to play. Just let me be there and record. Yeah. And. One of the people at the desk actually heard this, and they had me re-explain it, and yeah, they ended up getting me a, an appointment, so I was, that's oh, like one of my highlights. Nice. Like I got awesome. a Nintendo yeah. appointment, um, they give you a full hour to play four demos, uh, wow. I actually only got to play three, because I had to set up my camera, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, so I played Luigi's Mansion 3. Link's oh, nice. Awakening and Pokemon.
0: Nice. Oh, I am very much looking forward to new Pokemon. I don't even know anything about the Pokemon in the game, but I am just very interested in getting back on Pokemon after Pokemon Let's Go.
2: Mm. So do you normally play every single generation or did you recently get back into it?
0: I got back into it because of Pokemon Let's Go. Because okay. the last Pokemon game I played before that was Gold and Silver for like Game Boy Color. So Ooh, been, okay. it, was, it was a long time. Yeah
2: been a little bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay then i think you will i think you will really love this one i think if you've played the other ones it's like this is more of the same but on a more powerful system actually it didn't look all that great to be honest but yeah it'll it'll still be a new experience if you haven't played any of the the more recent
0: ones cool looking forward to it now
2: um and then i also got to see cyberpunk that was the last thing i did and i was so happy oh, nice. uh, i think it was a, a 50 minute demo and it's just it's just a very impressive piece of technology i guess <laughs> yeah. look at all the stuff that they are able to create this is wonderful a lot of a lot of like optional things I'm, I'm trying to find the right words for it like you have different character types you can play and that'll affect how you play C- kind of similar to well, no, Dying Light is more narrative choices. But just your, yeah. like, you have your skill set that you apply to how you play. You can be a hacker. You can be um, more combat-heavy, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have any questions? It's like 50-minute demo. <laughs> for, There's a lot to get into.
0: Yeah, no, for Cyberpunk, what were some of the big... I guess, mechanics that stuck out to you as, as kind of like, oh, wow, that was really impressive. Or you could kind of see yourself playing the game a certain way because obviously they're giving you a lot of choice in the way that you kind of approach the game. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those standouts to you in the demo you saw?
2: So I think if you took the hacker approach, that's where you'll find the most interesting mechanics. You have, well, basically, your arm becomes this, like your in-game arm, mm-hmm. not your real-life yeah. arm, becomes this, like, <laughs> a tool where you, like pull out this cord and you can attach it to different systems or computers or to other people. Um, and you see that used all throughout the demo to hack things. There are also like just things you can hack from a distance. Uh, at one point you were sneaking around. So this is something up your alley, Steve. Um, you're there we go. <laughs> being stealthy in like this gym looking area. And there's uh, some guy in the distance uh, boxing some kind of robotic partner, right? In a boxing ring. You hack the robotic partner, the dummy, and this dummy just slams this guy in the face, and like blood splurts everywhere. It's kind of <laughs> gross, but it's just like, wow, cool! I could just hack this thing here. You also do it to some guy who's like uh, lifting weights. The whole thing crashes on him after you hack something over there. I, I don't know. It's so- it sounds kind of basic, but seeing it is it's very impressive. Right. Um, I. I know this is an open-world game, but from the demo that they released to the public last year and then the demo I saw this year, I don't really get that sense, that open-world sense. Again, it's a it's a stage demo. They, they're not going to line, yeah. but I really haven't gotten that sense yet. So that I think that's the only like question I have. So I don't know how that open-world parts will, will work. Because you look at The Witcher 3, which is very open field, and you come across like right. towns or people here and there. This is a city, so I don't yeah. know how they're... That's going to be a big change, so I don't know how they're handling that just yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like we haven't seen a lot on exactly how that world is going to shape up. Like Obviously, we know the setting, but we haven't seen how the world really functions just quite yet. I, that one, I was really stunned we got a release date for. I yeah, did not expect same. that to come out April of next year, but that is one of the ones I'm most looking forward to. Now, I'm yeah. one of the... I guess a few people who have not played The Witcher. I know I need to play it. I just need to find a spare hundred hours right. to commit to it, <laughs> <laughs> on top of all the other games I play. But that is one of the ones on the list of the the backlog. Uh, but like this one just struck me right away because when we saw the gameplay last year with like the actual shooting mechanics, yeah, I thought it. I thought it looked solid. Like I thought it was. You know, I I thought the feedback system was pretty good. Whereas, like, all right, you know, when like you're getting hits, and it kind of had that Mm -hmm. RPG feel, like the Destiny, where like you see the points kind of spring up. So that that appeals to me. I think the first person shooter route is all right. I like, like I said, I always played Skyrim in first person mode. I never played it in third person mode, so I'm cool with first person RPG open world style. Naturally, I love Far Cry, and that's all first person, so that that's cool with me. I, I I don't mind that it's not third person, but I, I did see that some people were almost, like, saying, like, yeah, some of, like, the character options, like, so your basic class of characters, it's pretty basic. Like, you have, like, three choices where it's, like, mm-hmm. hacker, um, and then the, I guess one like, just, I guess somebody who is a warrior in a sense where, like, you just fight or something. <laughs> I, don't I think know. So. I didn't see the – I forget the other two, but I know that there were, like, three specific classes you could choose, and people were kind of saying, like, eh, it's kind of basic. But then they went on to say that you could – the customization of your character is pretty much – anything yeah. you could imagine like you can customize the whole thing did they show any of the customization in
2: terms of like how you look like your hair yes. color that kind of thing yep i mean they did show it it looked pretty standard like
0: okay
2: i almost had sims but sims has way more customization than this um <laughs> trying to think of something to compare it to maybe like a fallout like okay fallout okay. 4 did a customization thing it's probably actually even more basic than that it's not like you have like if you want to choose your color you have a few select if you select colors to pick from body type you just drag a scale from zero to 100 you know it's like that kind of thing it's not not too impressive they did say that this is all in development and this is going to change so i mean we'll see what the final product is but
0: i know that's why i'm so stunned that they're they're putting an april release date i was like oh really yeah that's another one where i think it's definitely getting delayed because i was under the belief too that that was going to be like a next gen launch
2: although when you think about it like april may these release dates like I know games take a long time to ve- to develop, but like that's yeah. a full year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's June.
0: Because that's the thing too is you look at Kojima, like he base they made Death Stranding in what three to four years, like three and a half years. So, mm. I guess like if you have the right tools and the right team, yeah, any, I mean sure. anything could be accomplished. Yeah. I just I, again, I just hope that like these guys aren't getting worked to the bone to try to get this game yeah. out on a specific time frame. I think we've seen enough of that at this point that. Anytime you see yeah, no. like a really ambitious game like that or the Avengers one get a release date when we really haven't seen two too well we haven't seen like anything on Avengers we've seen more on cyberpunk by now but still not like an exorbitant amount of stuff I feel like yeah. the in the stuff that we have seen is very like alpha mode almost so to see them both get release dates in the early part of next year it's obviously gonna just make people think well like all right these don't feel ready, so what's it going to take to get them ready? And that's why I anticipate delays, and I'm totally fine with delays. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. Like, yeah. make the game when you can make it right. and how you want to make it. Take your yeah. time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous that you got to play Cyberpunk.
2: Oh, I didn't get to play. Sorry, well, I didn't know that, that you I play. that
1: you got to, like see the demo yeah uh, that's pretty awesome and pokemon yeah
0: (laughs) yeah pokemon that's that's a big one for me i'm really looking forward to that game
1: like yeah (laughs) i'm just such a nice like i'm one of those people who's just like i just want more of the same with pokemon so like you Mm, saying that it's like like the old ones like i'm i love sun and moon so i'm like just Mm. give me sun and moon but in europe instead of hawaii that's basically what i'm expecting Um, (laughs) yeah that's fine i'm not looking for like any big Innovations in the Pokemon franchise. At this sure. Point. So. Now, yeah.
2: Did you hear about the, the fact that they, a lot of people are up in arms about this? Yes. That, yeah, that the Pokemon from.
1: You, you don't have like a full Pokedex, or it's just. You can't like import Pokemon from right. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. that... only have the Galar Pokemon, which mm-hmm. people are like going crazy about. Uh, again. Now, I I don't care.
3: Yeah. Okay. And it's, I
0: love like their response <laughs> to. They're just like, it's. It would take so much yeah. work to make There's that There's like a happen. thousand like,
1: Pokemon at this point. Like,
0: what do you, like, what yeah. do you guys think we're doing? And this is literally after Nintendo's, like, we we actually care about our workers' health. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to do that. Well, and it's <laughs>
1: like, you know, most fan favorites, like, if you have a very obscure favorite Pokemon, they probably won't be in it. But, like, Pikachu, yeah. Eevee, like, all of those are going to be in the Galar Pokedex. Like Yeah, for sure. You know, so, yeah. unless, you know, like, I'm sure... The one person whose like favorite Pokemon is I don't even know what, something really random.
0: Garbage one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just any of the garbage Pokemon. From
1: like fifth gen is like really sad that they're not gonna have their Pokemon, but it's like, but there's a Corgi and a sheep and a bunny <laughs> and a monkey. There's like all these new Pokemon that look really cool. So oh, yeah.
0: They'll definitely throw in yeah. like a bunch of the original 150 yeah. because they want to capitalize off the nostalgia of Pokemon Let's Go. Like they're like, we rope those fans back in. So well, let's I mean, keep them coming yeah. back.
1: Pokemon Go, the phone game, is what got me into Pokemon. Like I never mm, got into yeah. it as a kid. I got into it as an adult. So yeah. Like it
2: Which do you prefer now?
1: Uh now I prefer the real thing that I've the played real th- the real yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't play the phone game anymore just because it kind of got old, but I definitely credit that with like finally getting me into Pokemon. Mm. Before that, I was just like, Ugh, you kids at your Pikachus. like." <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: so, yeah, what were some of your other, I guess, positive moments of E3? Because I know you mentioned like you had a pretty solid yeah. E3 this year. You have a very positive perception of how it all went. So what were some of your other like kind of, I-, I guess, thumbs up moments?
2: <laughs> oh, that's tricky. Um, I don't know, because if I'm not doing my appointments, then like I like I mentioned earlier that I'm I'm seeing people, or I'm meeting people yeah. for the first time, run into someone that I recognize or follow on Twitter or whatever. Like those are always great moments to see people face to face, put a name to the text or whatever. Yeah, right. Um it's hard to really get into that um without just like, well here's what we talked about. <laughs> like Right. Um, right. Besides so my I,
1: uh, oh, oh, go yeah. ahead. I I was going to ask you and like different question about e3 so if you have anything else to add go ahead oh so i have not been to e3 i've been to pax um and i was just wondering like the indie scene at pax is huge Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic obviously they don't do like the big indie showcase kind of thing like they do with like the you know big names but like what is the indie scene like on the floor at e3 is it big there is it not as big
2: it's not as big that's for sure um you definitely have your big name developers with their giant towering booths yeah they always have the the IndieCade section uh there's it's really not that big they really shove a lot of just indie developers in one little tight space but um, it's always a really neat place to go because people people are usually going to the the Nintendos and the Ubisofts of E3 um so that place is it's a little busy but not too much you can just hop into maybe just you're waiting for one person to finish and then you're up mm-hmm. um that place is always great to go because you are sitting right there with the developer yeah. and yep. you get to play their stuff and they are talking about their passion project to yeah. you and they're just so excited to talk to anybody um that will yeah that, that's interested because it, it is very intimidating to like, this year, they moved the IndieCade from the South Hall to the West Hall, where Nintendo is. So, like, right behind them is big old Nintendo, and then here you are with, you know, your little tiny game. And it's... It, I can see it being very intimidating, so... Just huge props to these guys who are just yeah, there awesome. rocking their stuff, and just really, really putting out their love for what they make there. But like outside of that little indicate space you might find little indie games scattered at different booths but not too often it's really kind of just pushed into one gotcha. one section and there are some events that happen outside of the e3 convention center
3: mm-hmm. um
2: like I think there was like an an indie mixer that okay. happens at some hotel or, or whatever. Um, I didn't get invited to that or anything so I don't know but, yeah, it's not, this isn't really the place for indies yeah. as much as, like, a PAX.
1: Well, I imagine it's, like, very expensive to rent booth space at E3. Right. Like, I'm sure it's expensive yeah, at PAX, but I'm sure it's very expensive at E3. So it's probably yeah. cost prohibitive for a lot of those indie studios. But, I mean, I think for all of us, like, when we went to PAX, like, we loved seeing all the indies. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, honestly, the indies are always kind of the the big highlight for packs as well for me, just because like there's so many of them, and like you were saying, Michael, you get to just sit with the devs while you play the game. They get to tell you like the little ins and outs. So I love when they show you like little tricks, like oh, this is how you actually get by this boss like quicker. Yeah, it's just so cool to like learn the tricks of the trade from the person who created the game. Yeah, right. They're always so much fun to talk to because again, like you said, they have this just outrageous passion. Because most of the time they are working on a project. That they just wanted to make. Right. So they're doing whatever they can to see this project come to fruition. So in every conversation you have with them, you can just feel that excitement just like pouring Mm -hmm. out of every word they say. So the indies always strike me as like the go-to. And also too because indie games are so much more accessible than some of these like full-price $60 games. Like a lot of these indie games you can get for under $20. And when you're looking for something new to purchase. I've said it before, like going through the Nintendo eShop is it just insane. There's so many games, but I've found some gems from there and all of a sudden you realize, oh, it's on sale for like fifty percent off. You know, all of a sudden I get this awesome game for like three bucks, and if I get, you know, even an hour's worth of enjoyment from it, way worth the money. So I I love seeing the focus on the indies. That's why I I always love trying to go to the PAX events. But I think with E three, the the biggest thing is like how how it used to be it was like so much more accessible for people to get like these big games and actually get their hands on those yeah so do you have any last thoughts on E3 that you wanted to kind of throw out before we kind of I guess wrap things up
2: I guess I will say that E3 while it's very hectic and it can be very a a lot of work um, it is a very special and very exciting place to go to or to just Mm -hmm. be a part of even if you're not there, um, I will always, always have video games and E3. Like I, I cannot just forget E3. It'll always be a part of like my video game of life, <laughs> or oh, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, so even if it were to change dramatically, it'll always be a little bit sad. Even though I don't think it's going to change that dramatically, I think they're going to, you know, run themselves through the mud a little bit before they really really have to decide to change things up i don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon but when it eventually does it will be it will be a little bit sad so
0: oh for sure yeah i think there there are changes probably in the future but i like you said i i think it'll stick around for a long time because there's just so much notoriety behind e3 and Mm -hmm. I, I really think next year is going to be a really big show because we're going to have yeah. next-gen consoles on the horizon. We're going to have a bunch of new games coming. Who knows what Nintendo will have cooked up. And then, of course, like we will see what Ubisoft and Bethesda and like Devolver are all working on. So mm-hmm. I love getting to see those press conferences when it's studio-specific. And you never know. Maybe next year we finally see some uh, Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield <sighs> stuff. That would be fantastic.
3: Please. Please. But,
0: yeah, overall, I agree. Like... I love E3. I still get so excited when it's that time of year. I love all of the new games that show up. I love getting to see, you know, new footage on games that I've already been interested in. It's just a, it's just a fun time of the year. I feel like everybody has just got this little extra pep in their step. They're all yeah. kind of on the lookout for news, yeah. and that's I really feel like it's at one of the times where the gaming industry is kind of at its best because like I really feel like there's just this general excitement where everybody's really happy to see this new content coming and there's like this shared hype and sure it might not last super long because eventually it all goes back to people nitpicking things however
1: they've they've already begun
0: they've already begun they've already begun a week after the fact but for that one week you know that one week it's (laughs) just so much fun everybody's excited everybody's like sharing their their thoughts and it just it's it's really just a special time of the year for games like you said it is the christmas for games like Mm -hmm. it comes once a year but when it when it shows up, you know it's coming. It's like the uh, if if a, if it was a holiday, they'd have E three candy in the stores by like February. So <laughs> yeah,
2: and I'm totally cool with having E three and then sprinkle the rest of the year with your Nintendo Direct, State of Play, oh, yeah. Game yeah. Awards. Like keep it consistent. I love it. Yeah. sure. Why not?
0: Of course. Like that like more power to all those types of conferences too, because a lot of times they'll they'll come on at like the one in the afternoon like when i'm on my lunch break so it's perfect like great needed something to watch at lunch (laughs) give me a state of play there you go all right so michael thank you again for hanging out with us giving us your firsthand e3 experiences it's really cool to actually talk to someone who's been there a few times getting that you know firsthand experience so we actually kind of see like what it's like to live it out on that show floor because like we said it's a little expensive to go so unless (laughs) unless somebody wants to throw us a media pass next year anybody out there do we have any connections for that? I don't know. We'll find out. I mean... we'll, have to, we'll have to put the feelers out. Yeah. It's really cool to get to talk to you and actually see how the conference has changed over the years and how your involvement in it has changed. Yeah. Like, I, I'm actually happy for you that you, had to have, you got to have a little quieter one this year and got to oh, enjoy yourself you. and not be running yourself ragged. It sounds like you had no, a really I'm happy great too. experience. And so, one last time, where can everybody find you? So, where can they find your work? Where can they find you on social media? Um,
2: yeah, so there's two main ones. I have a YouTube and a Twitter, both with the same username. It's it's a little random. Super Zambazee. So, S-U-P-E-R-Z-A-M-B-E-Z-I-A. I made it in middle school. And you know what? It's unique. <laughs> it's cool. I like it. So, um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm kind of there. I'm not very active, but I'm... Um, I'll reply to stuff if you send me something mm-hmm. eventually. <laughs> and then on YouTube I do some streaming stuff, so nice. Uh, yeah, check it
0: out. All right. So go check out Michael's work and seriously go check out his uh, Lego Star Wars preview. I read it. It's very good. And that was one of the games that kind of stuck out to me at E3 because I do love the Lego games and I as a newer Star Wars fan cuz I just got into the series. I'm, I'm going to probably play it, it looks like, it's just, like, really enjoyable, and yeah. your article kind of sold me on it a little bit further, because you got to see the, the Behind Closed Doors demo of it.
2: Yeah, that demo sold me on it. I kind of just was like, okay, another one, but not after the demo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so perfect. Go check out Michael and all his work, and thank you again for hanging out with us. It's been awesome. And I'm so sure. with that, it is time to wind down episode 85. But before we do, we do have some shout-outs for our wonderful Patreon supporters, and so they are Alex Mill, Brian Christensen, Corey Porter, Darren Simmons Jr., David Campos, Derek Hauser, Ernesto Martinez, Evil Tim, Greg Kearney, Liz Rodriguez, Matois, Antoine, Merovingian, Nerdiest Brands, Rian Maleski, Richard Breschenhan, aka our good buddy Tootloot, Sandra, Tambo, Taryn, the Better One Martinez, The Hashtagonist, Vincent Thomas, and of course the one and only FaZe. So thank you all so much. For your support month in and month out. It means the absolute world to us. And we really couldn't do this without all your support. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you out there would love to join this amazing group of Patreon supporters. Head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And throw us a buck or two if you're feeling generous. Because you could be one of these fine folks who supports this podcast. To make it the best podcast in the gaming world. So if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode, head on over to whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, leave us a like, write us a review, and subscribe to us. It goes a long way, and we really appreciate the support. So episode 85 is coming to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we will talk to you all very soon.